So, Shawnee, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know you're extremely busy. Um, first thing I want to ask you is when did you come to Kelowna and how did you end up here? First of all, thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, I moved here in 2005. At the time, I had been living and working in Vancouver for many years, most of my adult life at that point, and really was tired of the commute and tired of the fact that I was never going to be able to afford anything, that uh, I could have kids that could grow up with grass under their feet. So looked around at uh, what options were there. To be honest, it was kind of Victoria or Kelowna that were big enough and had decent weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, My partner at the time and I were avid outdoors people, loved to bike and hike and, and go to the beach and ski. And Kelowna won on that front, all the good good activities that we have here. And don't regret it. It's been a great move for us for all those reasons. I spend way less time in my car now. Did you know about Kelowna before you came? Or was it just kind of looking on Google and on the internet? Or did you come and visit? Or Yeah, I had definitely been here before. The wine region, of course, is uh, an attraction for me. At the time when I moved here, I was actually working for a winery. Mm -hmm. So I had visited in the context of work, but I had also been here for fun as well. Again, skier, beach creature. I really enjoy those sides of of life and and had come to Kelowna as, you know, it's a short hop from Vancouver, easy to get to. So I knew about it for sure. So tell us about your work. I know you're a consultant and a public speaker, and I've attended a couple of your workshops over at the CoLab. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background in your career. Well, the funny thing is, is I, I kind of fell into what I do, which is human resources consulting. Uh, originally, I was actually going to go to university in Asian studies because I had spent a year living and, and studying overseas in Asia. And when I, when I got to university, I realized very quickly I couldn't stand being in a library all the time. And so I took some career counseling and, and was reminded of the things I really care about, which are people, communication, and business. So I transferred into commerce and uh, finished my degree program there. And over the course of being there, it just seemed like the courses I enjoyed the most and, and where there was the most opportunity for debate and learning, for me at least, was uh, the organizational behavior, human psychology, and human resources. So I was a lucky graduate. I got a job in my field working with a professor in consulting uh, in the, on the coast. And then, you know... Here I am 27 years later, still doing it and still loving it. And, you know, the, it's funny. Somebody told me a, a while back that the, uh, if you're retired, the, the best definition of retirement is you do what you want, when you want, with whom you want. Mm-hmm. And I still kind of feel like I'm doing that. So I've been retired a lot of my career. But I started my business 10 years ago. It was, um, I, I had come up with the transfer with my company as well as wanting to move here for the, for the lifestyle, as I said. And uh, they wanted me to move back. My, my job had uh, very quickly transpired to be more in Vancouver than here. I had two little boys at the time, and I just thought, I don't really want to go back to Vancouver, so I'll stay. But at the time, it was 2008, and the market crashed. And of course, the hundred of jo- hundreds of jobs that were online for HR people disappeared to zero overnight. And, and I always say that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm better as a mom when I work. I'm not a stay-at-home mom. I respect it. I think it's an amazing talent for people who can. It's just not me. Right. So really starting a consulting practice was a way to get myself working again um, and also to offer me some flexibility associated with my kids. So I am the lucky mom that has been able to volunteer in my kids' school. Um, not all the time, but I can go. And I know lots of moms are jealous of the fact that, you know, their eight-hour day means they don't get to see their kids. And sometimes my 10 or 12-hour day mm-hmm. means I can, right? So right. 
Uh, and, you know, I mean, I've always worked in HR with entrepreneurial businesses prior to moving here when I was working in, in organizations and then since starting my consulting practice. So when I think of HR for entrepreneurial businesses, I always say it's the big five. It's recruiting, either helping them recruit or teaching them how to recruit. Of course, you teach a man to fish. Um, it's orientations, making sure that once they've got these great people, they're bringing them on board properly. So that's recruitment and orientation. Comp and benefits, are we paying them fairly? And um, are we making sure that we're paying competitively as well to attract the kind of people we want? And then it is training and development. That's part of my, you know, building workshops, providing them, rolling them out, speaking at them, and also just speaking in general. Mm -hmm. uh, performance management, which is everything from goal setting and vision setting to, you know, right to building performance reviews and, and helping people, you know, help their employees do a better job. And then last but not least, but probably the biggest and the part I get the most excited about now is culture. And that can be everything from building a really good handbook relating to how we do things here to building the kinds of practices that are going to deliver the kind of business results that you want. Just to go back to 2008, uh, the market crashed. You decided to start a new business. Was it challenging getting clients at that time? And how did you get past that? Well, of course it was. It was a terrible time. Uh, truth be told, it was all, it was the best for me though. I was starting a new business. I didn't really, I didn't have high expectations, right? Because the market had crashed. I just knew I needed to work. So I think, you know, I had built a business plan and I just executed the plan. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time building the tools and the systems that I would need, which when you have downtime, it's a good application for that downtime. I built my website. I can tell you five years down the road, I would not have had time to do that. My latest edition of my website took me literally three years to get through. And it's, it's basically a, you know, a new shell on my old one. So, but it, it just takes so much longer when you're busy, right? right? So at the time, yeah, it was slow. It took a lot of time, but I had some great advice. I had some great mentors. I went through the Community Futures Program for um, Entrepreneurship, which I highly recommend. It was fantastic for me. And, you know, I, I will say that, that, you know, I thought, oh, I've got a degree. Why would I need to go through a business planning process? I 100% think it was one of the best things I did. They taught me how to do a really good business plan. And again, a lot of the people who were teachers were also mentors to me. Mm -hmm. And so the great advice that I had one of them give me is that in your first year of consulting, you're going to, assuming you treat it like a full-time, you know, work, work as hard as you can on it, at least 40 hours a week, full-time job. Uh, she said to me that you would probably be able to build 20 to 30% of your hours. Wow. And uh, in, the, in the second and third year range, she said, if you do, again, continue with that same amount of effort, execute the plan, you might get up to 50% of your hours are billable. And then when you get to that fourth and fifth year, you may get to about 70%. And that's probably about where you want to be. Because, of course, as a consultant, if you have too much time with clients, you're not building your pipeline, right? right. So... You know, that proved to be true. I, you know, put it, I always joke, you know, my average day isn't eight, right? Eight hours. It's, it's more like 10 or 12, right? right? But, but if you put your 10 or 12 hours in, in the first couple of years, you have to have the buffer to be accepting that only 20% are going to be billable. Right. And, and that's tough for some people. And I was in a fortunate situation at the time. I had a, a, a partner who was supporting me through that. And, and I had some really good mentors and I just stuck to the plan and saw that it was actually working and, you know, when you get past your year five and you're starting to see that while wow, people call you back, mm -hmm. so it's not as hard of a slog to build that pipeline all the time, mm -hmm. it feels a bit more secure. But it takes a while. Do you recall getting your first engagement, your first client? Absolutely. 
Oh, yeah. I still remember. In fact, um, my first two clients, my first one is still with me. And uh, that's off and on because I always say if you do good HR, they shouldn't need you all the time. But my second client recently exited their business. So a real success story for them. And uh, and I feel like I've kind of been with them through through it. So awesome. it's, uh, you know, happy but but sad as well. So they're on to new new endeavors for themselves personally, and and I don't know that I'll be doing much work with them anymore. But that's kind of the nature of business, right? And the life cycle of business. So, what uh, percentage would you say of your business today is repeat business and referral and brand new business that you get through your marketing efforts? Yeah, so I'll admit I'm I'm terrible at marketing in the traditional sense. My marketing effort is primarily speaking, and and then it is referral based. Um, any new business I get, you know, the, occasionally my website turns a business in, but truth be told, I I, I don't track it that way. Mm-hmm. Almost all my my new business would be for, through referral. Um, I I don't know if I've ever really tracked the stats about how many new businesses I get per year versus repeat. I would say, you know, if if you you said, tell me just roughly, I'd say probably, probably 60% is repeat from prior and 40% would be new, but it could be closer to 50-50. Well, I think it's good that uh, whatever business we're in, we do what we're good at. So you're great at public speaking and you get a ton of referral business. So that's great. Um, I don't think people should do traditional marketing if they're better at a different type of marketing. So it seems to be working out for you well. I feel, yeah, I don't know. It feels, you know, truth be told, I hope I do good work and, and that's going to stand for itself. That's right. always been my approach because I even sitting here today feels a little uncomfortable talking about myself. But um, yeah, you know, you do good work and hopefully people will appreciate it. They'll call you back and, and they'll tell their friends. And, and that's kind of as far as I've taken it. And, but I will tell you, I find this town to be extremely welcoming to entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And, and there is, I think, a real culture of trying to support each other. And, and certainly, you know, I, I, my clients are amazing. They are my best referral source. And, you know, I'm just right now going through a, desig- a des- new designation process and, you know, I asked a client just thinking, you know, hey, would you mind being my referral? And, and I asked a couple and, and I only needed two. And, and, and a bunch of people came back and said, yeah, we'd be happy to. And so, you know, that kind of thing makes you feel good, right? It's like, okay, I must be doing something okay. So I try to keep my pulse, uh, keep the pulse of Kelowna business. And uh, a few people, especially realtors, are telling me they're noticing a slowdown mm-hmm. now. Some realtors are telling me they're as busy as ever. Mm-hmm. Um some business owners I know are as busy as ever and some are kind of suffering right now. What is your sense of it? Uh, is the, are we in a recession right now? So I don't know about, I don't think we're in a recession right now, but I definitely think that, uh, that we could be in the not too distant future. I, I know I've heard the same kind of stuff from realtors and people in that type of industry who are seeing with the speculation tax and some of the other stuff that's happening a slowdown on their front. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily translate always across, but of course it affects our construction and, and whatnot. You know, what I see in, in my business is, is um, it's, it's a candidate market right now, which means that employers are finding it tough to find good employees to work for them. Um, you know, the pool is decreasing because most 
if not all, but let's say most good employees are already employed, right? Mm-hmm. And and we don't have enough people moving to the area fast enough, potentially because of the speculation tax and potentially because of other things going on in other parts of the world which are booming, which is when people don't really move. So so yeah, there's less employees available. So I find employers maybe that they are are struggling with meeting the the needs or the potential growth opportunities that they hope to just because there's so few people available to do the work. Um, I, I do see in some areas, you know, a lot of my clients are busier than ever. That, that's a good sign in some ways. It's In some ways, it's a bad sign for me, though, because then they don't have time to, consult, to hire consultants, right? right? Mind you, the good sign is they have money to hire consultants. <laughs> so, so you kind of have to catch them in the lulls of their rhythm of their business. Right. Um, you know, personally, I think that we should still be saving for a rainy day because I suspect it, it's cyclical here. And, yes. you know, I've seen a few of them in the 10 years I've been in business. What is your typical client size? So is it large businesses or solopreneurs or everything in between? Luke Mankus is a realtor with Remax Kelowna. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011. And he always says, yeah, one regret. And that is, he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273 to chat with Luke about real estate. Good question. Generally, I say I focus on businesses that don't have in-house HR. That's not uh always exactly correct because sometimes businesses with HR will hire me as an objective third party um, or just as overflow but for the most part entrepreneurial businesses doesn't have to be for profit because I do have a number of um, you know not-for-profit social enterprises as well that I would consider clients that call me when they need me for you know various things but it tends to be I mean you know again 100, 100, if you say 100% of my businesses, probably 30% are not-for-profit and, and kind of in that, that sort of genre, and then the rest would be for-profit businesses. Most, I would say, start needing HR. You know, I think everybody needs HR, of course, but most start needing HR after they hit about 7 to 10 people. Um, you know, I usually, the initial call, the very first time I've ever heard from a client, it's usually one of two reasons. It's either they, they've got to the point where they desperately need an employee handbook owners getting overwhelmed with the same questions doesn't know the right answers somebody told them they're doing something wrong and they don't know they don't know what they don't know about it so I do a lot of those I've actually in the last 10 years I counted I think I've done 45 handbooks which is a lot actually when you think about I've written 
handle? Yeah, so we, it's employment practices, though. You know, how do we handle vacation here? How do we handle our recruitment process? What do we do if somebody needs to go on leave or just wants to request a day off? You know, what's our sick policy? All of that kind of stuff, as well as, you know, what's our expenses and how do we use the cars and, you know, really the full gamut of how we operate policy practice-wise. We right. try and write that, those for them. I call it the travel guide to the company, though. It's not just a boring old manual. Right. Um, and then the other side of when we get the first call is often, oh my gosh, this just happened and I don't know what to do. And that ranges from, you know, I've had harassment investigations, disputes, you know, personality conflicts to, you know, an employee stops showing up for work and we don't know why. Can I fire them? Should I worry about them? To, you know, I had somebody, I had one call, you know, we've got employees here who, who told us we've been doing something wrong and they're going to, you know, file a complaint and we don't know what the right thing. So big wide range, really. Anything people. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, you're taking a new designation. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that and tell us, uh, has your uh, philosophy in teaching evolved much over the last 10 years? Mm-hmm. So the designation, um, because that's the quick, easy answer, is uh, Certified Management Consultant, and it is something I've been looking into for a long time and kind of needed to get all of my ducks in order. So I am working on that. It's, as you'd have guessed, it's a Management Consultant certification. I do think there's a possibility that's where the market's going to eventually require consultants. Certainly, I think consultants should have designations of some kind. Mm -hmm. I have my, of course, my CPHR as well, which is the HR designation. But this is just a broader one for all consultants. So I'm working on that. Um, As it relates to speaking and teaching, you know, yeah, of course it has to evolve. I think learners have evolved, candidly. Um, You know, I don't know that I'm at the forefront of technology, but I do try and, you know, make sure that my, my sessions are interesting to the audiences. And that requires a lot more work than people think uh, because you do have to really understand your audience and the venue that you're at and, and also have a really good sense of the, the content. And, you know, candidly, that's probably where I've always relied on with my speaking is as I talk about topics I know a lot about. Right. And so not only do I have a slide deck prepared of the basics that people need to know, but I'm really open to asking and, and or sorry, answering questions. And I, I really encourage the participation from the audience. I find that the audience enjoys that. And so, you know, what I've, I think over the last 10 years, I've probably offered less content and more opportunity to talk and more opportunity to discuss and engage and and answer questions and really get into the meat of stuff. So I'm guessing you read a lot to stay current with what's happening in business and HR. And uh, could you tell us a couple of books that uh, you're reading right now or have recently? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I'm actually reading right now a book I'm fascinated with. It's called The Captain Class, and I'm terrible at remembering the name of authors. I'm sorry, but you can Google it. But it's a... uh, it's a piece, really, it's extensive, extensively researched, and it's about the value and importance of captains of teams and how the best captains don't have the qualities that traditionally we think of leaders. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave it at that teaser. I'm fascinated by it. Uh, there's definitely, you know, not what you would think when you're hiring for a leadership role. I wouldn't look for these qualities candidly and yet it pays off in in so many areas and he's demonstrated these consistent seven qualities so really worth reading and then the other one I just recently finished is um, I think it's 
It's either first your oxygen mask or, or your oxygen mask first. It's written by Kevin Lawrence. And it was a session I attended, a really excellent session I attended in Vancouver, I guess a few months ago now. And he, it's, um, he's, he's a consultant that presents on, on scaling up, which is a way to fast scale your business. And the reason I went to the session is because a lot of my businesses, they come to me because they are bumping into growth. And, and, or they've either grown fast and now they're trying to get stabilized and get their systems caught up, or they want to grow. Of course, right? We want to help them grow. So I, I wanted this scaling up is a really good methodology for growth of business, and I wanted to learn more about it and see if it could be something I could refer my clients to. As it turned out, I got a lot out of it, and I got this book. And the book is more about um, personal development for leaders and owners. And, you know, there's a lot of great content and very practical. And I'm actually working my way through that book right now, trying to, awesome. trying to improve my own practices. So is there a public event coming up that you're going to speak at that uh, you want to tell us about? No, there's nothing. <laughs> it's summer in the Okanagan. Yeah. I'm trying not to book anything. I, I tell a lie. I am actually, I'm in Vancouver speaking in October um, okay. for uh, the Geoscientists and Engineers Conference, wow. which will be great. I'm talking about HR topics, of course. Um, but I don't really have anything happening in the area right now, actually. It's pretty, right. it's all quiet on the Western frontier. So 10 years now in Kelowna, tell us what you were surprised by and tell us what you love about the city. So I was surprised by the weather. I have to admit, I had no idea. So I, as much as I lived in Vancouver a long time, I was, I grew up in Terrace, Northern BC. Right. So clear and cold in the winter and Pretty warm and hot and sunny in the summer, right? Four seasons, though. Vancouver, one of the other things I didn't like, other than the, the commute and the fact I couldn't afford a house, was the gloom in the winter. Like, just endless, endless gloom. And I've noticed in Kelowna, it's pretty gloomy in the winter, and yes. I was not prepared for that at all. And that is, you know, another big reason why I, I actually snowboard, don't ski. But that's why I go up to the mountain, is to get outside and active and above the clouds, if you right. can. So that surprised me. Um, what I love about Kelowna is really, it's still why I moved here. You know, I love the fact that I can go literally five minutes to the beach. I, I love that I can go hiking. I live on the west side, which gives me closer access to the hiking trails that are, you know, really near my home. I run in the trails with my dog all the time. Awesome. And I just love that access. I think it's a great place to raise a family. You know, my kids have enjoyed a lot of the benefits big enough that they get some of the big town amenities small enough that you don't get big town problems I right. would say so it's been great for us so Shawnee I want to put you on the spot now can you name one person off the top of your head that you know in the city of Kelowna that you find to be a fascinating person and who you would love to see come on this show in the future I would say Shane Austin oh, yeah. I, I'm excited about um, Shane from Colab I love what he's doing I'm proud to be a member of Colab and support it and and uh, been interested in the evolution I think he'd be interested and an interesting person for you. So, Shawnee, if uh, someone wants to learn more about your consulting services, do you have a website or um, any kind of social media that people can follow you? Yes, yes. Uh, I don't do a great job of my uh, website, as I confessed. It took me like three years to get the updated version, but it's there now, and, and we're proud of it. It's at lovehr.ca. 
And then, of course, I am on Twitter at uh, at LoveHRTweeter, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I, I am someone who blogs regularly, at least once a week. And so there's tons of content on my website for people who are interested in the topics of HR and the philosophy that I approach things with. Lots of free advice. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, well, I appreciate being here. This is a great idea, and it's pretty cool that you're doing this. I think it's a lot of fun. It's exciting to see people, the various things that are happening in Kelowna. It's great.